Hi guys, it's Carla Lolly Music and Claire Saffitz here. So you've heard us on the BA Foodcast before, but for the next few weeks, we are teaming up to bring you a very special edition podcast. This week, we launched a new site out of bonappetit.com called Basically. It's at eatbasically.com, and it's meant to teach people who love food but might not know everything about cooking how to, well, cook. We thought it would be cool to have our actual listeners call in and chat with us about just that, since you're the ones we want to teach how to cook. So first up this week is Zachary Kiernan from Brooklyn, New York, who wrote to us asking why a particular recipe he made for charred octopus went wrong. We walk him through what could have happened so that the next go-around will be more successful. After that is Amanda Mott, who lives in St. Petersburg, Florida. Amanda is planning an outdoor summer dinner party with lots of family-style platters of food for a big group of friends. We give her all the suggestions she needs, and then some. All right, now let's talk to Zachary. You know, I've always loved octopus, and I've only eaten in a restaurant. And, um, you know, I, I, I found a BA recipe for it, and I figured it was time to go for it. I was feeling pretty confident and was pretty swiftly shot down. Which recipe were you cooking from? Oh, so um, it was like, let me, let me look really Because we, we think was, we know which one it is. Octopus. Yeah, that's the one. Was it? Did it go over yogurt? I, yeah. And I do have to say the sauce was great. It was just where I messed up was, I guess, my fear was having, like, spongy octopus or, like, you know, I I, because I was originally intimidated because my understanding of octopus is if you overcook it or undercook it, it's just going to be chewy and there's a kind of thin margin of error. And that's what, you know, inevitably happened. So, you know, I, I got octopus from Whole Foods. Um, I bought previously frozen octopus because that's all they had. That's pretty and, much all you're ever going to find, which... And it's still a good product. That's totally fine. And yeah, I think for, for almost everyone, no matter where you are in the country, either, you know, sold frozen or previously frozen is all you're going to find. So that that's really okay. Certain seafood and octopus is a good example and squid and shrimp, like free, they hold up very well to freezing. And so I think people maybe you know, in, in New York or in other places have sort of an obsession with freshness. And it's not it's not necessarily a bad thing if you're buying something that has been frozen, especially if it's coming from, a, you know, a long distance. Um, so, but Zachary, what you said about there, you sort of feel like there's this, um, a thin margin of error for cooking octopus. I think that might be one of the problems where I think this is true for, for cooking in general. Um, there's maybe, it's maybe not as delicate as you think. Um, and, and you could, if I think you, you know, you can't overcook octopus, but that's maybe if you cook it for like four hours, you know, it's not like, Oh, if I cook it (laughs) 10 more minutes, it's gonna, I'm going to ruin it. Um, there's a lot of sort of like funny myths about how to make octopus tender. I don't know if you've heard the one about, because a lot of times, you know, octopus in Spanish cooking is braised in red wine. And so you always hear people saying like, oh, you should throw the cork into the braising liquid and that helps tenderize it. That. You did. Oh, it's you did. Funny. Okay. Well, Adam Evans, yep. who it's this, the recipe comes from the optimist um, where Adam Evans I, was the chef when we got this recipe in. And he said he actually does put the cork 
in. He's like, that's uh-huh. how I learned doing it. And I maybe it's more superstitious than anything. So it's not going to hurt. Right. I mean, yeah. Well, it's funny you should say that because originally the fishmonger had said it to me when I bought the octopus. Uh-huh. And he was like, a, he was a pretty out there dude. So I was like, okay, this, <laughs> this guy might just be nuts. And then I also saw it in the recipe. So I was like, okay, there's something to this. But then, um, you know, I couldn't figure out what it actually did, like scientifically speaking. But the fact that it was coming from two sources. Yeah. I went with it. It may well, be um, it may be nothing. <laughs> right, for we're all not, we know. I, I'm not going to be able to speak to the scientific uh, process of putting the cork in with the octopus, but I think what Claire said is right, and it it probably so the ending texture for you was just a little tough and rubbery, like it wasn't as yielding as you wanted it to be. Yeah, yeah. Just I mean, just in comparison to like octopus I've had out, mm-hmm. um, I don't think that it was like inedible, and I don't think anyone eating it really noticed, but just the fact that 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 was kind of my fear going into it and it wasn't as tender as I would have hoped for. It was just a little discouraging, particularly because it was just like, you know, a new dish first time I Mm -hmm. found the recipe pretty straightforward. And also just like the process of, you know, going through making the liquid to boil in it, getting the wine, breaking down all the, you know, the celery and the onion and all that. And it was like, and then, charring it after it was kind of like a long process right. to finish yeah. in comparison to what I'm used to cooking. So um, I was discouraged, but I'm ready to get back on the horse. Cool. Okay. So yeah. we both, I want to say two things. We both think that you, um, you did everything right. You just didn't cook it long enough. And I think okay. just listening to you, so, so much of cooking, right, is like using your instincts and trusting yourself. But then there's this thing where you're also supposed to follow a certain, you know, minute per pound and like get your timer out. And then sometimes when the timer is telling you one thing and your instincts are telling you another, it can be like hard, like which one, which, which one do I trust, you know? And in this case, I think like maybe you thought it was going to be rubbery. So then when it was, you were like, you know, it's true. I've manifested my own fears. Um, so I think you just needed to cook it a little, I cook it longer, check it every half hour. The other thing I want to say, we did another octopus recipe. And around that time we learned that some, some fishmongers actually sell just the tentacles and they're cooked. Do you remember that? Yes. And they were in like, sh- they're like, they're sold shrink wrapped yes. and they're imported from Spain or somewhere else in Europe. And that was like a really good, cause you, you, you wouldn't have to go through all of that pre-seasoning and boiling and you could just do the charring with the sauce, which is just a like dump and blend. Right. That recipe that right. was in, I don't quite remember what month. I think or it even was year, in April because was. there were the edible blossoms. Oh, Right. And so asparagus, that, right? That was a story we did with um, a, a chef based in Paris, and that was another like hilarious octopus cooking myth <laughs> about like he had you put the cooked octopus, chill it on inverted oh. on a metal bowl. Oh yeah, or colander oh. or something. Yeah, and you it, had to like drape uh, it over, <laughs> right? And it was like, oh. I'm pretty sure this is not doing anything, but we'll just do what you say. But yeah, with like I've cooked octopus exactly one time at home. Um, and I did the same sort of red wine braising method. Um, so, Zachary, did you test it for doneness? And did you use, like, what did you use oh, for yeah. testing it? Did you, like, stick a paring knife into it? Um, no, I, like, I was taking pieces out and, like, 
break cutting breaking it down and like eating it as I go. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I guess because I was under the impression that like I couldn't just leave it in there until it was ready. Like I thought there was going to be this soft spot at like the 13 minutes per pound mm-hmm. point. I, I was just being kind of neurotic and like you know totally it out, eating it and then just like I and then eventually I just pulled it because I thought I could overcook it. But now you know now that I know that that's not the case, I think I'm gonna. I'm going to develop a little more patience there. Absolutely. I think something Carl and I talk about a lot is this idea that I think a lot of cooking issues or setbacks that people run into could be solved by, in fact, not doing anything, like just letting it go longer and, and leaving it be. Um, but I get it. Like cooking is, can especially when it's something new and you're handling a product like raw octopus, which is like kind of a little gnarly there's a little bit of anxiety about it. And so you're like, oh, I don't want to mess it up. And especially if you're serving it to guests. Also, I would not necessarily recommend cooking a new dish for company. Although That's a thing. I have to I know, say, I know, I, I, have should, to, I, should have, I should have done that. I mean, I do that. I don't even take my own advice. So I get it. I, I also have to say that like you're you, the way you described it is like you felt like it was tough, but nobody else said anything. And that's because all of them were like, I can't believe you made octopus. That is amazing. Right. Like who the hell has ever done that? So another thing to remember when you are entertaining and maybe your dish isn't perfect is um, just never apologize. So <laughs> even if you think something's wrong, just go to the table and be like, yeah, guys, charred octopus let's get in there and no one's going to notice because they're so happy that first of all you cooked for them and second of all it's something like just really fun and ambitious like that yeah i'm sure they were impressed um yeah and and the sauce was pretty bulletproof so it it helped out a lot nice i think that sauce would also be really good with squid if that's something that you're comfortable with it's like got gochujang and rice vinegar and um it's spicy, ginger, chili paste, fish sauce, lime juice, vinegar. Yeah, it's like a nice, mm-hmm. pungent, spicy, right. really, really good little. That would be good with chicken, too. Good, good on anything. It's funny. I've had a, I have a thing where like, I don't think anything I ever make for company tastes good when I finally sit down to the table because by the time you got, you're at that point and you're like, I put a lot of effort into this. I want it to be really nice. You're kind of like, you're either over it. Or just so tired, you're yeah. like, all right, guys. I'm usually like, like been eating it the whole time. So, you know, then you're I'm full. like, I, I'll have just something else. Right. I'll just drink this wine. Right. But yeah, I think I think next time you try it and you're cooking it, like let it let it keep simmering away and check it periodically. And when we especially when we write recipes and we say, you know, check for tenderness, like with sometimes we tell people to use a fork instead of a paring knife. This said to this said tender enough to cut with a spoon. I I agree with that. I'm glad yeah. I go, you put that in. Go there. back and think like, <laughs> oh yeah, that was right. Um, sometimes a paring knife is like too sharp and it pokes through things really easily. Like if you're boiling potatoes or something and you're trying to see if they're done in the middle and you use a paring knife, they're going to be a little crunchy still, even if the knife slides right in. So like use a fork. I think the spoon is a good indicator, particularly for octopus, that Mm -hmm. it should be that tender. But yeah, I don't think that if you cooked it, maybe, you know, if you cook it and then you leave it for, you forget about it and you come back and 15 minutes later, like it's not going to be ruined. It's going to be fine. Yeah, it'll be okay. I think also it could get tough with overcooking, but I think like a braise also can get tough if you cook it too long, but I think it would have to pass through the soft stage before it got hard, if that makes gotcha. sense. You know, like it's going to start out tough. It's going to get really tender. And then if you kept going, it would get tough again. Right. 
So you just, you know, your wind, really the wind. I'd have to really lose it. You would have to, to go through that phase. I think almost literally forget about it in order for that <laughs> to happen, which clearly you're not going to because it's not every day you have octopus cooking in your kitchen. But um, it's funny. There's a, a cool tip that I picked up. I don't even remember where I learned this, but there was. So in the case of that dish where you're just serving sort of one whole tentacle mm-hmm. on the plate. To get a really pretty little spiral, you can take... I don't even know if this is in the recipe. It, 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 it is. It's in the prep school part. Uh, okay. So one way to get a really pretty kind of like curly corkscrew um, look to the tentacle is to take the octopus and to dunk it into the simmering, yeah. whether it's water or stock or red wine, and then lift it out three times. And that causes the ends of the yeah. tentacles to curl in this really sort of like pleasing, cool little spiral. I don't know where I learned that, but the well, one time I cooked octopus in my kitchen, I did that and it looked awesome. And and if you Google Bon Appetit octopus, uh, that will come up. All right. <laughs> Zachary, thanks for no, calling. Yeah, that, that was in the recipe. That was in the, oh, uh, was? That oh, part. okay, good. Yeah. I think I took everything I know about octopus and put it in that one <laughs> recipe. So there you go. I, th- I think I can do this. I think you, you folks have empowered me. I'm, I'm ready to get back at it. Awesome. That's awesome. That, the other thing that I just was like so amazed me about cooking octopus, sorry, just adding this at the at the very end, um, it shrinks to like one quarter its original size. So you're like, oh my mm-hmm. God, I have this seven pound octopus. Like, what am I even going to do? It doesn't even fit in the pot. And then an hour later, you're like, oh my God, am I going to have enough food for the people that are coming over? Wow. It's 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 a, a really interesting thing to cook at home. And it's like kind of fascinating. And it's really, there isn't like another great analog to it in, in cooking. Like, you, you know, squid, it's not, it's nothing else really acts quite like it. But yeah, I think the key is, if you want tender octopus, just you got to just keep just cooking keep it. Yep. Don't look back. Perfect. Hey, thanks, Zachary. It was really great to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate all these powerful notes. I think I can do this. Awesome. Right. Good luck. Let us know what happens. <laughs> all righty. Have a good one. You all too. Right. Bye bye. Thanks so much to Zachary for calling in. Next up is Amanda. Amanda? Hello. Hi, this is Claire and Carla from Bon Appetit. How are you? Good, how are you? Good. Um, So we hear that you have a question for us about summer entertaining strategy. I do. I wanted to have a larger outdoor party this summer, and I wanted to cook the majority of the dishes myself, but not spend a fortune. I wanted to cook like a meat, maybe a starch, and maybe a few veggies. I was wondering what you would recommend cooking that isn't really pricey, but is special enough to where it's interesting. Family style, but I know that the problem with that is everything can get cold so quickly. Right. Yeah. Uh, let me, uh, can I ask you, um, this is Carla, can I ask you just a couple questions about your setup? Yeah. Where do you live? I live in Florida. I live in St. Pete, actually. Okay. So it's, hot, so, so it's hot and you have a good amount of outdoor space? Yes. And do you have a grill? Are you a griller? I am, yeah. I'm not afraid of the grill. (laughs) Cool. Um, And how many people? I would say under 20, I would try to do. Okay. And are you asking any of your guests to, like, bring stuff to help fill it out? Well, that's the thing I was debating on because I've had parties in the past, like, around the holiday time. And I feel like a lot of people, if they don't entertain a lot, don't know how much to bring, mm-hmm. and they never seem to bring enough. Oh my god, so I, I have this problem. To have enough in case 
they decided to bring something, but it was on the smaller side. I hear you. So nobody would go hungry. Absolutely. I find because I'm a control freak and a cook that I like to have, (laughs) I just do all the food myself. But that gives you an opportunity to tell people, okay, please bring wine and ice. Yeah. And in summer, it's like, especially when you're entertaining, the thing you never have time to do is like run out and get ice. And in my, you know, I don't have like an ice machine that's making it. So. If you don't necessarily trust your friends to like bring, like nail it with um, like a potluck style scenario, Uh which I do not trust my friends to Uh do that. It's like, okay, here are your jobs and you can feel free to delegate because I think as the gracious hostess, that's totally in your right. Yep. Um, and the good thing about Florida in the summertime is none of your food's going to get cold if it's outside. (laughs) There's kind of a beauty. Very true. So I have a bunch of recipes actually from Bon Appetit, which is mm-hmm. a true thing about us that we cook. We actually cook. Um, we put our mouth where our magazine is. No, <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Uh, we practice what we preach, maybe is what I meant to say. So um, there's one recipe that I've been making over and over for exactly this scenario. Claire wrote a great recipe that was in the Ralph Lauren story that must have been June 2015. Anyway, mm-hmm. you don't have to go pull out a magazine. Just search for it online. And uh, it's a potato and seven-minute egg salad. Um, so it kind of combines the best things about a potato salad and an egg salad. But what I really love is that it's not mayonnaise based. It's um, got mm. like a just a nice whole grain mustard vinaigrette and some pickles, which are so good. And um, herbs that you mix in, but then you also save a little bit dress, a little bit of the dressing back and you save some of the herbs to just put over at the last minute. Um, and it's it's just really simple. You steam the potatoes, you cook your your eggs, you could cook those a day or two in advance, um, peel them, have them, toss them with the dressing. And the dressing is so straightforward that the last time I made it, my 13-year-old followed the recipe and he he made he made the dressing himself. So I really recommend that one. And that is kind of a starch, but it's a very substantial one because mm-hmm. it also has the eggs. Um, that sounds so nice. And I love that it's not so heavy with the like mayonnaise base because the starch is perfect without that. You know, you don't even need it in the summertime. Right. Yeah. And it's not something that if it were mayonnaise, you would really want to leave out like yeah. in the open air and the just, sunshine. Even if it's not turning, you know, it's, it it's just not great. appealing. Yeah. yeah. It just kind of gets that mm-hmm. like shiny look to it. Yeah. And then another thing that I like to do that's sort of a strategy thing is if I'm entertaining that many people, like 20 people is a good crowd. And you want, like Claire said, you want to be circulating. You want to make sure that people have drinks and you want to like have fun at your own party. So I don't really love grilling when the party is happening, but I do love to grill and it's a great way to cook and not do another, you know, get another thing dirty in the kitchen. Um, So I would make like a bit, a nice big steak or two, and you don't have to pick a super expensive cut to do this. Um, you can use like a Denver steak. You can use a, a flank steak, flank inexpensive. Steak. Um, a tri-tip if you can get them is great. Um, if you wanted to use something a little bit more marbled like a boneless ribeye, that's certainly not going to be bad. And just, mm-hmm. you know, really simply olive oil, salt, pepper. Um, if you have a favorite marinade, go for it and just grill it you know, to medium rare, don't slice it, let it come to room temperature. And then, you know, 
20 minutes between before people are going to come over. You can just slice that into nice, nice thin slices and dress it with arugula or watercress, some Parmesan, um, some parsley, some red wine vinegar or lemon, and just a drizzle of olive oil. And that is really, really lovely and kind of refreshing at room temperature too. Yeah, that sounds great. So Amanda, I have a question. You're I'm so I'm intrigued by the fact that you have a grill and how you mm-hmm. might be able to use that to your advantage. I totally agree with Carla that like what you don't really want to be doing is manning the grill with like a bunch of flames while people are there because they're going to want to talk to you. You're going to get distracted. You're going to maybe be like sweating in summertime. <laughs> so, but do, do yeah. you have a gas grill or a charcoal grill? I have gas, but um, okay. my neighbor has a one of those green eggs. Oh, cool. Okay. If I want to use that. Cool. Cool. I think that actually in this case for what I'm about to say, gas is great because I have just last summer, I threw sort of an outdoor birthday party for myself. Um, (laughs) And I was, I don't have a backyard. I live in Brooklyn, but I used a friend's backyard um, and he had a gas grill and that allowed me to basically use the grill as like a warming station. So I wasn't cooking anything during the get together. I did everything in advance. Um, but I turned on one burner of the grill there of the three burners on the gas grill and I put it on as low as it would go and I closed the lid and that basically creates because with the lid on, it kind of disperses the heat and it makes essentially like a low oven, you know, you know, maybe it was about 250 degrees and I used it as a warming station to put the, the food that I prepared. And for that party, I went a little retro and I made one, like a big batch of sloppy Joe meat and a big batch of taco meat. Um, and I put out like soft buns and hard taco shells and all the thick things like sour cream and shredded cheese and iceberg lettuce. And they were the same for both some chopped tomato. Um, and so I basically took, I made like a lot, like five pounds of each and put them in some disposable aluminum, like roasting pans Mm -hmm. on a layer of aluminum foil Mm. on the grill and it, and a couple like, you know, like spoons in the mix and people would just go over to the grill, lift up the lid and help themselves. And it was great. I didn't have to tend to it. Um, at some point I was like, oh, that grill is getting a little hot. I'm going to you know, right. turn off the burner for a little while and maybe turn it back on. Um, but I didn't have to monitor it. And so the grill can really be used to your advantage because if you have like one thing that you want to serve hot, you can use mm-hmm. that. And But you're not actually doing any cooking. Right. And then on and top did of- did you keep the buns warm what in there? Did, did the, you keep the buns warm nope. in there? I kept them in the bag cool. that they came in. Cool. Like, you people can help yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in that case, maybe like a hard taco shell is a little better. I think I had tortilla chips too. And some people like made their own nachos with it. This is a dream. It this was is really a dream great. party. It might not be like the most, you know, chefy thing, but no nope. one has ever seen that before. And I guarantee you, like, I don't know, some of those nostalgic foods, people yeah. just go Bananas. Oh, nobody turned up their nose. <laughs> um, but then I think if you're going to do that, and so, you know, if that's a little retro. If you want to do something a little more sophisticated, I would highly recommend investing in a cut of meat, whether it's pork or beef or even lamb, that is more of like a braising cut because those tend to be a lot less expensive. So I'm thinking like a pork shoulder or a lamb shoulder or a leg of lamb even um, or a, a brisket if you want to do beef. And you can kind of do you know, essentially like a a long braise. In the case of a pork shoulder, you can just really roast it at a low temperature. So I would salt and pepper it uh, generously, let it sit overnight in the fridge and then roast it the next day. And these cuts have a lot of fat in them. 
they're also very tough with a lot of connective tissue, but they work really well for like low and slow cooking. Mm -hmm. So in a brisket, you could kind of like barbecue braise it and do brisket sandwiches. You could roast the pork shoulder, even make carnitas. We have an amazing mm. carnita recipe oh, on our website. So this, Rick what did. you're describing, Claire, is you would actually do this step the day before. Yes, so you would use your oven. You can even, I've done the pork shoulder while I'm sleeping, which is really great. So mm -hmm. you can put it in at oh, night. Yeah, and just have it like go at 250, 275 for eight or 10 hours, it'll be fine. Yep. And then kind of pull that apart, like in yeah, a pulled it, pork pull kind it of off way. The bones, or in the case of a brisket where there are no bones, you're maybe, you know, you're just shredding discarding it. some of the fat and shredding it. And then you could use the grill tip and keep this like big, basically, vat of meat, some, you know, meat of your choice, warm. And you can put out tortillas, you can put out um, like crusty bread. People yeah. can kind of just help themselves. And then, once you take care of that, you can, you know, whatever like flavor profiles you want to do, you can yeah. use. Um, and then aside from that, I would basically pick sides like the one Carla suggested that are all room temperature. Yeah. And just let one, those sit out. There's a corn salad that I just thought of that um, I love. And it's a raw, it's like combines raw corn kernels and some charred grilled corn, um, which is really mm -hmm. nice because it's like one ingredient, but you do get two textures and a little bit of smokiness from the grilled one and then like nice, fresh, juicy corn. And you're in Florida, so I bet you already have great corn. We have to wait like two more months. Um, <laughs> yeah, we and, have it here. <laughs> and then it is just you cut the kernels off of the cob and, and sort of toss them with um, some fresh red chili rings, um, lime juice, maybe some crumbled... Um, ricotta salada or um, queso fresco. And it's kind of a riff on a uh, corn elote, um, you know, mm. with the corn on the cob that's like sh smeared with mayo and it's got queso fresco sprinkled over it and something spicy like cayenne. So it's kind of taking those same flavors and you, you can really just riff. So it's just corn, a little something spicy, something acidic, um, some herbs, cilantro would be great in that chives, um, dill, even though I don't like dill and, or, or basil and just make mm. something fresh and nice. And again, like corn, it's, it reads vegetable, but it, it's also starchy. Right. Very filling. I think that would be really nice with the, as a side for your taco bar. Taco night. Um, I think that sounds awesome. And something um, another good side that holds up well if you want to go, since, since your starches are kind of taken care of, is like a very basic cabbage slaw. Red mm. cabbage is really pretty. And that's another thing that holds up really well at room temperature. Like stuff like a more watery vegetable, like a cucumber or a, you know, a delicate leafy green will start to wilt or like leach out water. And you know, so it's a good idea for cucumber though. And this is from Emil. From Emil. Emil's idea that we cut from his story. So let's just let it live yeah. now. Um, is to take those, you know, the little Persian cucumbers that they sell like five to a package now. Um, yeah. So if you filled up like a nice big punch bowl with ice water and put a bunch of cucumbers in there. So just like really cold cucumbers on ice and then off to the side, just have maybe some flaky salt, um, a little cayenne, a little um, squeeze of lime and and literally just snack on freezing cold cucumbers. It's really refreshing. refreshing. There you go. Oh, yeah. I love that idea. The good thing about summer is that 
you have so much so much produce at your fingertips and really the best thing you can do is like not mess with it too much. So like a corn salad, that's super simple, a really easy cabbage slaw. And something Carl and I were talking about earlier was just cutting up a whole bunch of watermelon like into big wedges and putting that out even in a big bowl of ice to keep it really cold. And that's, you know, you don't have to do much more than that. Yeah. Cherries too. If you put um, like a, a mess of cherries into icy water and just let people snack on those. Yeah. So good. I would say, yeah, your friends should bring ice. That's, can I also that's the take just, away. can I give it the one, another food that I think is so like American in that like picnic, potluck, 4th of July, Labor Day, and we don't eat it enough is grilled turkey. Carla. It is Whoa. delicious. <laughs> I love the flavor of grilled turkey. I think grilling and turkey are made for each other. You have that like kind of rich meat. It's the smoky flavors are so great. We have a barbecued turkey, a barbecued grilled turkey recipe that we ran for Thanksgiving a couple of years ago, but the dry rub on it is fantastic. And you can just buy a whole bone in turkey breast and grill it. You will be surprised. It really only takes like an hour and 15 minutes. You can do it ahead. And then um, you have like roast grilled turkey. People, again, they're not going to expect it, but then it's like, it's turkey. So everybody- bone in or- I would do bone in. Yeah, I would buy a fresh turkey breast with the bone that will help keep it moist while it's cooking. You don't even have to turn it over. You can grill it on the bone, you know, the ribs down and the skin Mm -hmm. side up. You put it on your grill- with the coals banked to one side, you cover the grill. It goes for about an hour. It is fantastic. I made it last year for 4th of July. There you go. But Amanda, things that I would stay away from, because that's like a lot yeah. of things, like you could do this or you could do that, but I would I would not do something like raw seafood. Not, I mean, if you're looking to mm-hmm. stay within a certain budget because you're feeding all your friends, that doesn't sound like it's in your realm anyway. Um, but like having having raw or even cooked seafood out yeah. at room temperature is like a little off putting and can be a little dicey. Tend- so do like that. any kind of tender lettuces, like uh, right, you wilt, know. greens that are going to wilt at like you know drop of a hat. And this is a good tip that I picked up from Nancy Silverton um, in her book Mozza at Home. She she always serves salads and she'll choose more sturdy greens like watercress or endive, radicchio, cabbages, um, kale. And when she serves salads for a big party, she always does them in a really wide, shallow platter instead of a deep bowl because the weight of the salad on top of itself will like encourage it to wilt even faster. So kind of spread it out so it has a lot of surface area and it's not weighted down and put the dressing over to the side. Oh, that's a great idea. Because those greens will hold up pretty well. Yeah. I mean, not Mm -hmm. on a sweltering hot day or anything. Is arugula a very... Uh, wiltable green then? I think so. Summer and arugula. Is that okay to use if I did a platter kind of thing? I think if it's one of the greens in a mix of things that also has more sturdy lettuces, I think you would be okay. But the baby arugula that like you look at that sideways and that stuff will wilt. Yeah, Especially once you dress it. Totally. Just one. Yeah. It kind of dies a little bit. But watercress, I feel like just good old fashioned watercress Mm -hmm. will hold up pretty well. Yeah. Kale super sturdy. You mentioned that already. You talked about slaws, right, Claire? Yeah. yeah. I love um, 
broccoli slaw. I got really obsessed with broccoli slaw last year. That's a good one because that's the kind of thing that gets better the longer that it sits. Exactly. So that's where that you want to stay in that kind of area. Um, mm-hmm. Like not only will it hold up, but it will even improve a little bit. So broccoli, it stays really crunchy and really firm, but letting it sit in like a mixture of oil and acid, you know, whatever it's dressed in will soften it and even make it look a little more palatable. Yeah. So that's a really fun one. Also, Amanda, I don't know if you have friends who are vegetarians, but- I have some, yeah. yeah. I have a mixture. Yeah, I think it's always nice when you're entertaining to, even if someone isn't a vegetarian, maybe they don't want to eat that much meat. So it's nice to give a lot of options. So something just like a really easy grain salad as and make like a ton of it and- so it, it is like a starch thing, but it also sort of feels like you could sort of eat it as a main course for people that aren't really eating meat. Um, so you can cook mm-hmm. and you can do that like way ahead. You can way cook ahead. the grains like three days before. We tend to, in the test kitchen, we cook a lot of like unhulled barley and farro, wheat berries. Yeah, I think you want to look for whole grains that are not pearled um, because the pearled ones, when they're cooked, they can get a little gummy. Another trick that I sometimes do if I'm having like that size of of a group and I know that what I put out is going to get eaten is like to have a backup of whatever it is in the fridge. So instead of, um, you know, like when a platter starts to get low and look picked over, people just sort of avoid it and they won't finish it. So you can take the platter away, like clean it off and then take whatever you had set aside in the fridge and just refresh it and bring it back out. And it just creates this kind of feeling of like, generosity and that there's an ample amount abundance. and abundance. And also if it's sort of one of those things where people are coming and going over a couple hours, like it just makes everything feel like nice and fresh and not that it's been listing in the sun all day. Right. Mm-hmm. I guess the one, one final thing I'll add just from a strategy standpoint, if you're making a lot of things ahead is if there's anything that has raw garlic in it or even raw onion, like red onion, um, I would leave that out until the day before or the day that you're serving because like raw garlic can kind of make things turn. Like it, the, it becomes more powerful yeah. as it sits. So you don't want to miss necessarily like blow your guests away with that. But I'm curious what we've given a, Liz a lot of ideas. I know. Anything, I'm like want to throw a party now. Really? Anything, Amanda, that you're like, oh, I would make that or not so much? Yes, absolutely. Maybe um, the non-pearled grains, and I've been loving. I've been loving using pistachios mm-hmm. with grains. So I think I would maybe try some combo of that with some type of, um, you know, lemony vinaigrette. Mm. I think that'd be awesome. That sounds delicious. And then um, I'm really leaning towards that turkey. I don't know. It sounds really <gasps> oh, good. I love it. So creative. <laughs> I really want to know if you do it. You got to send I, us a I picture. Will, um, Definitely Instagram it, and I'll tag you guys. Amazing. Well, now you can throw a party every weekend. You have that many ideas. (laughs) Yeah, the next time we're down in St. Pete, you know. Yes, please. I would love to. We're we're coming over. (laughs) Well, stay cool. We don't need to go out. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Stay hydrated when you're cooking. That's very important. Very important. When you're entertaining outside. Glass of water for every glass of booze. Right. Those are the rules. Plenty of watermelon, cucumbers. I mean, wine is 90% water. Well, there you go. Ish. So there you go. All right, Amanda, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thanks for your question. Thank you so much. All right. Happy entertaining. The 
Bon Appetit Foodcast is produced by Emma Wurtzman and Carrie Polis and edited by Mitra Kaboli. Our theme music is by Valerie and the Grady's with additional music by Nathaniel Wurtzman. We have new episodes every Wednesday. And if you want to tell us about this or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.